Section 18 of the Seven Followers of Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Thomas McKinney. The Seven Followers of Science by John Finn. Section 18. Curious Arithmetical Problems. The Chessboard Problem. An Arabian author, Al Safadi, relates the following curious anecdote. A mathematician named Sessa, the son of Dahar, the subject of an Indian prince, having invented the game of chess, his sovereign was highly pleased with the invention, and wishing to confer on him some reward worthy of his magnificence, desired him to ask whatever he thought proper. Assuring him that it should be granted, the mathematician, however, only asked for a grain of wheat for the first square of the chessboard two for the second, four for the third, and so on to the last, or sixty-fourth. The prince at first was almost incensed at this demand, conceiving that it was ill-suited to his liberality. By the advice of his courtiers, however, he ordered his vizier to comply with Sessa's request. But the minister was much astonished when, having caused the quantity of wheat necessary to fulfill the prince's order to be calculated he found that all the grain in the royal granaries and even all that in those of his subjects and in all asia would not be sufficient he therefore informed the prince who sent for the mathematician and candidly acknowledged that he was not rich enough to be able to comply with his demand the ingenuity of which astonished him still more than the game he had invented it will be found by calculation that the sixty-fourth term of the double progression beginning with unity is nine quintillion two hundred and twenty-three quadrillion three hundred and seventy-two trillion thirty-six billion eight hundred and fifty-four million seven hundred and seventy-five thousand eight hundred and eight and the sum of all the terms of this double progression beginning with unity may be obtained by doubling the last term and subtracting the first from the sum the number, therefore, of the grains of wheat required to satisfy Sessa's demand will be eighteen quintillion four hundred and forty six quadrillion seven hundred and forty four trillion seventy three billion seven hundred and nine million five hundred and fifty one thousand six hundred fifteen. Now, if a pint contains nine thousand two hundred and sixteen grains of wheat, a gallon will contain seventy three thousand seven hundred and twenty eight, and a bushel eight gallons will contain five hundred and eighty nine thousand seven hundred eighty four dividing the number of grains by this quantity we get thirty one trillion two hundred and seventy four billion nine hundred ninety seven million four hundred and twelve thousand two hundred ninety five for the number of bushels necessary to discharge the promise of the indian prince and if we suppose that one acre of land is capable of producing in one year thirty bushels of wheat it would require one trillion forty two billion four hundred ninety nine million nine hundred and thirteen thousand seven hundred and forty three acres which is more than eight times the entire surface of the globe for the diameter of the earth being taken at seven thousand nine hundred and thirty miles its whole surface including land and water will, will amount to very little more than a hundred and twenty six billion four hundred and thirty seven million eight hundred eighty nine thousand one hundred and seventy seven square acres if the price of a bushel of wheat be estimated at one dollar the value of the above quantity probably exceeds that of all the riches on earth the nail problem 
a gentleman took a fancy to a horse and the dealer to induce him to buy offered the animal for the value of the twenty-fourth nail in his shoe reckoning one cent for the first nail two for the second four for the third and so on the gentleman thinking the price very low accepted the offer what was the price of the horse on calculating it will be found that the twenty-fourth term of the progression i two four eight sixteen etc is eight million three hundred eighty eight thousand six hundred and eight or eighty three thousand eight hundred eighty six dollars and eight cents a sum which is more than any horse even the best arabian was ever sold for had the price of the horse been fixed at the value of all the nails the sum would have been double the above price less the first term or a hundred and sixty seven thousand seven hundred and seventy two dollars fifteen cents a question of population the following note on the result of unrestrained propagation for one hundred generations is taken from familiar lectures on scientific subjects by sir john f w herschel for the benefit of those who discuss the subjects of population war pestilence famine etc it may be as well to mention that the number of human beings living at the end of the hundredth generation commencing from a single pair doubling at each generation say in thirty years and allowing for each man woman and child an average space of four feet in height and one foot square would form a vertical column having for its base the whole surface of the earth and sea spread out into a plane and for its height three thousand six hundred and seventy four times the sun's distance from the earth the number of human strata thus piled one on the other would amount to four hundred and sixty trillion seven hundred ninety billion in this connection the following facts in regard to the present population of the globe may be of interest the present population of the entire globe is estimated by the best statisticians at between fourteen and fifteen hundred millions of persons this number would easily find standing room on one half of long island in the state of new york if this entire population were to be brought to the united states we could easily give every man woman and child one acre and a half each of a nice little farm of seven acres and a half to every family consisting of a man his wife and three children this question has also an important bearing on the preservation of animals which in limited numbers are harmless and even desirable in australia where the restraints on increase are slight the rabbit soon becomes not only a nuisance but a menace and in this country the migratory thrush or robin as it is generally called has been so protected in some localities that it threatens to destroy the small fruit industry how to become a millionaire many plans have been suggested for getting rich quickly and some of these are so plausible and alluring that multitudes have been induced to invest in them the savings which had been accumulated by hard labor and severe economy it is needless to say that except in the case of a few stool pigeons who were allowed to make large profits so that their success might deceive others and lead them into the net all these projects have led to disaster or ruin it is a curious fact however that some of those who invested in such get-rich-quickly schemes were probably fully aware of their fraudulent character and went into the speculation with their eyes open in the hope that they might be allowed to become the stool pigeon and in this way come out of the enterprise with a large balance on the right side 
no regret can be felt when a bird of this kind gets plucked but by the following simple method every one may become his own promoter and in a short time accumulate a respectable fortune it would seem that almost any one could save one cent for the first day of the month two cents for the second four for the third and so on now if you will do this for thirty days we will guarantee you the possession of quite a nice little fortune see how easy it is to become a millionaire on paper and by the way it is only on paper that such schemes ever succeed if however you should have any doubt in regard to your ability to lay aside the required amount each day perhaps you can induce some prosperous and avaricious employer to accept the following tempting proposition offer to work for him for a year provided he pays you one cent for the first week two cents for the second four for the third and so on to the end of the term surely your services would increase in value in a corresponding ratio and many businessmen would gladly accept your terms we ourselves have had such a proposition accepted over and over again the only difficulty was that when we insisted upon security for the last installment of our wages our would-be employers could never come to time and we would strongly urge upon our readers that if they ever make such a bargain they get full security for the last payment for they will find that when it becomes due there will not be money enough in the whole world to satisfy the claim the entire amount of all the money in circulation among all the nations of the world not the wealth is estimated at somewhat less than fifteen billion dollars and the last payment would amount to fifteen hundred times that immense sum the french have a proverb that it is the first step that cost desle premier pasque coute but in this case it is the last step that costs and it costs with a vengeance while on this subject let me suggest to my readers to figure up the amount of which they will be possessed if they will begin at fifteen years of age and save ten cents per week for sixty years depositing the money in a savings bank as often as it reaches the amount required for a deposit and adding the interest every six months most persons will be surprised at the result the actual cost and present value of the first folio shakespeare seven years after the death of shakespeare his collected works were published in a large folio volume now known as the first folio shakespeare this was in the year sixteen twenty three the price at which the volume was originally sold was one pound but perhaps we ought to take into consideration the fact that at that time money had a value or purchasing power at least eight times that which it has at present halliwell phillips estimates it at from twelve to twenty times its present value for this circumstance however full allowance may be made by multiplying the ultimate result by the proper number this folio is regarded as the most valuable printed book in the english language the last copy that was offered for sale in good condition having brought the record price of nearly nine thousand dollars so that it is safe to assume that a perfect copy in the condition in which it left the publisher's hands would readily command ten thousand dollars and the question now arises what would be the comparative value of the present price ten thousand dollars and of the original price one pound placed at interest and compounded every year since sixteen twenty three over and over again i have heard it said that the purchasers of the first folio had made a splendid investment 
and the same remark is frequently used in reference to the purchase of books in general irrespective of the present intellectual use that may be made of them let us make the comparison money placed at compound interest at six per cent a little more than doubles itself in twelve years at the present time and for a few years back six per cent in a high rate but it is a very low rate for the average during a large part of the time money brought eight ten and twelve per cent per annum and even within the half century just past it brought seven per cent during a large portion of the time now between sixteen twenty three and eighteen ninety nine there were twenty three periods of twelve years each and at double progression the twenty-third term beginning with unity would be eight million three hundred and eighty eight thousand six hundred eight this therefore would be the amount in pounds which the volume had cost up to eighteen ninety nine in dollars it would be forty million seven hundred ninety four thousand eight hundred and seventy eight dollars eighty eight cents an article which costs forty millions of dollars and sells for ten thousand dollars cannot be called a very good financial investment from a literary or intellectual standpoint however the subject presents an entirely different aspect some time ago i asked one of the foremost shakespearean scholars in the world if he had a copy of the first folio his reply was that he could not afford it that it would not be wise for him to lose four hundred to five hundred dollars per year for the mere sake of ownership when for a very slight expenditure for time and railway fare he could consult any one of a half a dozen copies whenever he required to do so arithmetical puzzles a good-sized volume might be filled with the various arithmetical puzzles which have been propounded they range from a method of discovering the number which any one may think of to a solution of the famous question how old is anne of the following cases one may be considered a catch question while the other is an interesting problem a countrywoman carrying eggs to a garrison where she had three guards to pass sold at the first half the number she had and half an egg more at the second the half of what remained and half an egg more at the third the half of the remainder and half an egg more when she arrived at the marketplace she had three dozen still to sell how was this possible without breaking any of the eggs at first view this problem seems impossible for how can half an egg be sold without breaking any but by taking the greater half of an odd number we take the exact half and half an egg more if she had two hundred and ninety-five eggs before she came to the first guard she would there sell a hundred and forty-eight leaving her a hundred and forty-seven at the next she sold seventy-four leaving her seventy-three at the next she sold thirty-seven leaving her three dozen the second problem is as follows after the romans had captured jodapat josephus and forty other jews sought shelter in a cave but the refugees were so frightened that with the exception of josephus himself and one other they resolved to kill themselves rather than fall into the hands of their enemies failing to dissuade them from this horrid purpose josephus used his authority as their chief to insist that they put each other to death in an orderly manner 
they were therefore arranged round a circle and every third man was killed until but two men remained the understanding being that they were to commit suicide by placing himself and the other man in the thirty-first and sixteenth places they were the last that were left and in this way they escaped death archimedes and his fulcrum next to that of euclid the name of archimedes is probably that which is the best known of all the mathematicians and mechanics of antiquity and this is in great part due to the two famous sayings which have been attributed to him one being eureka i have found it uttered when he discovered the method now universally in use for finding the specific gravity of bodies and the other being the equally famous dictum which he is said to have addressed to hiero king of sicily give me a fulcrum and i will raise the earth from its place that archimedes provided he had been immortal could have carried out his promise is mathematically certain but it occurred to ozanam to calculate the length of time which it would take him to move the earth only one inch supposing his machine constructed and mathematically perfect that is to say without friction without gravity and in complete equilibrium and the following is the result for this purpose we shall suppose that the matter of which the earth is composed weighs three hundred pounds per cubic foot this being about the ascertained average if the diameter of the earth is seven thousand nine hundred and thirty miles the whole globe will be found to contain two hundred and sixty one billion one hundred and seven million four hundred eleven thousand seven hundred and sixty five cubic miles which make one sextillion four hundred and twenty three quintillion four hundred ninety nine quadrillion one hundred and twenty trillion eight hundred eighty two billion five hundred and forty four million six hundred and forty thousand cubic yards or thirty eight sextillion four hundred and thirty four quintillion four hundred seventy six quadrillion two hundred sixty three trillion eight hundred and twenty eight billion seven hundred and five million two hundred eighty thousand cubic feet Arid allowing three hundred pounds to each cubic foot we shall have eleven septillion five hundred thirty sextillion three hundred forty two quintillion eight hundred seventy nine quadrillion one hundred forty eight trillion six hundred eleven billion five hundred eighty four million for the weight of the earth in pounds now we know by the laws of mechanics that whatever be the construction of a machine the space passed over by the weight is that passed over by the moving power in the reciprocal ratio of the latter to the former it is known also that a man can act with an effort equal only to about thirty pounds for eight or ten hours without intermission and with a velocity of about ten thousand feet per hour if then we suppose the machine of archimedes to be put in motion by means of a crank and that the force continually applied to it is equal to thirty pounds then the velocity of ten thousand feet per hour to raise the earth one inch the moving power must pass over the space of three hundred eighty four sextillion three hundred forty four quintillion seven hundred sixty two quadrillion six hundred thirty eight trillion two hundred eighty seven billion fifty two million eight hundred thousand inches and if this space be divided by ten thousand feet or a hundred and twenty thousand inches we shall have for a quotient three quintillion two hundred and two quadrillion eight hundred seventy three trillion twenty one billion nine hundred eighty five million seven hundred twenty five thousand four hundred and forty which will be the number of hours required for this motion
but as a year contains 8,766 hours, a century will contain 876,600. And if we divide the above number by hours by the latter, the quotient 3 trillion 653 billion 745 million 176,803 will be the number of centuries during which it would be necessary to make the crank of the machine continually turn in order to move the earth only one inch. We have omitted the fraction of a century as being of little consequence in a calculation of this kind. The machine is also supposed to be constantly in action, but if it should be worked only eight hours each day, the time required would be three times as long. So that while it is true that Archimedes could move the world, the space through which he could have moved it during his whole life from infancy to old age is so small that even if multiplied two hundred million times, it could not be measured by even the most delicate of our modern measuring instruments. An Interesting Egg Problem A party of young people going on an excursion proposed to take with them some cold hard-boiled eggs for lunch. Just as they were about to set out, an addition was made to their number and more eggs were needed. A young boy was sent to the cellar to bring some, which he did, but unfortunately he carelessly placed the raw eggs amongst the boiled ones, and as they were all cold and about the same temperature, an interesting problem arose. How could they distinguish and separate them? One of the party solved the puzzle very easily and quickly. He placed one of the eggs on a table, and taking it between his thumb and fingers, he tried to twirl it as one would twirl a teetotal. It would not spin, and he pronounced it raw. Taking another and treating it in the same way, he found that it would spin like a top, and he said it was boiled. Testing all the eggs in this way, he soon picked out the raw ones, and when they came to use them, his companions found that he had not made a single mistake. This is a very pretty experiment, and one that does not seem to be generally known. It is easily tried at the breakfast table whenever boiled eggs form part of the bill of fare and a good deal of fun may be had by providing two or three eggs, some boiled hard and some raw, and all cold, and asking someone to pick out the boiled from the raw. Very probably the candle test will be the one that first suggests itself, and it is amusing to watch how many failures result. When the simple method here described is shown, it always causes a good deal of surprise to those who have not seen it before. The reason why the raw egg will not spin is obvious. The time during which the fingers act on the egg is not long enough to impart motion to the contents if they are liquid. When the contents are solid, the movement of the fingers is imparted to the whole egg from the very start, and when let go, the entire mass continues to rotate like a top. End of section 18